Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. I'm a blur with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones are sour on yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shan. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Adam West appeared as the superhero, the Galloping Gazelle, on a Goosebumps episode entitled uh, Attack of the Mutant, Part 2. So you don't watch Part 1, Part 2, if you want that Adam West action in live action. Oh my gosh, how much stuff has Adam West been in where he's just honestly been in superhero fandom? Um, I'm thinking of Catman. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fairly odd there it's just no it's just like you gotta lean into it you know when you're known for one thing just go ride it until you can't ride it anymore <laughs> and he that's never true that is so all of this adam west talk is because not because i finally finished out some of the latter seasons of family guy we are talking about the animated film today batman return of the cape crusaders yes that is right uh, the 1960s Batman gets an animated adaptation, and we're going to find out whether or not in this season it is sweet or sour. Uh, at a runtime of 78 minutes, this is a PG-rated film. Uh, so this is a bit of a, we got to calm it down, I guess. We can't say any any words that we normally would say. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God, why is there so much blood in this PG-13 film? <laughs> Uh, so this PG-rated film is directed by Rick Morales, who has done a lot of other stuff, dealing definitely with like Lego things and some Scooby-Doo stuff. Um, and the whole movie was written by James Tucker, who we know has taken over a lot of the DC animation after Bruce Timm's um, run with it. And he co-created this film, co-developed this film with the co-developer of Teen Titans Go, Michael Jelinek. That somehow fits. <laughs> yep yep did you know that they also work together on batman brave and the bold that does not fit <laughs> <laughs> uh so yes we are getting a re well a reboot not really a reboot actually but rather a another story of batman and from the 1960s series a live action series um created by william dozier and is being brought to the animation table today uh, did you also know that this had a one-day release in theaters on October 10th, 2016, which is Damn. also the year the film was released? What were we doing? Like campaigning or going for election? I don't know. What were we doing that one day? Why didn't we make the time? Well, we were... <laughs> this could have been the moment. If we made the time, maybe we didn't have to go through Doom World for 2016 to 2020. <laughs> Yeah, if Harambe would have seen it with us, uh, man, how things would be different. 
So yes, when it was released in theaters for one day, it earned $57,343. Um, you know, as you said, we weren't in the theater for this one, but we definitely would have contributed our dollars if we had known. And the plot of today's film is to see how campy we can make a Batman film, honestly. <laughs> Uh, so the cast of our film, it does have the majority of the cast from the original television series from the 60s created by William Dozier. Um, we have Mayor Adam, I mean, Adam West, um, who is reprising his role as Bruce Wayne Batman. We have Burt Ward, who's also coming back as Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin the Boy Wonder. And finally, wrapping it up, we have um, Julie Newmar, who has been Catwoman out for the first two seasons of the original series before being switched over to Eartha Kit. But Julia Newmar will be uh, voicing Catwoman today as we then fill up the rest of the cast with a slew of voice actors, including uh, Jeff Bergman as Joker, William Sailors as Penguin, Will Wally Winger as Riddler. Fun fact, Wally also voiced the Riddler in the Batman Arkham series games. Uh, we have retired voice actor Jim Ward as Commissioner Gordon. Steve Weber as Alfred, Thomas Lennon as Chief Miles O'Hara, and Sarita. She was also in another DC production, DC animated production of ours. Um, Serena Irwin as Miranda Moore. And finally, to wrap, wrap up the campy silliness of the cast, from Pee Wee's Playhouse, we have Lynn Marie Stewart as Aunt Harriet Cooper. The most dangerous character in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. She, she, I mean, she's the better detective than Batman, to be honest. I mean, they were making some leaps, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of leaps, it is time to, uh, now that we've wrapped up our info on the film, it's time to boom tube over to the beginning of Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders. So we start with this ironic complaint of Robin about ballet tights, which is ironic because he wears tights to do pretty much every crime fighting thing. And uh, Batman just reminds him, look, you need to have some ballet in your life, just like we need to watch Gotham's version of SNL. And when you know <laughs> it, on Gotham's SNL, something awry is happening. Yes, yes. Uh, so we turn on the boob tube. Wait, can I say boob on a PG film now? I I'm getting confused. <laughs> it was an eye oh, yeah, okay. You can use it. <laughs> so we turn on the boob tube to catch Gotham Palace um, where Miranda Moore to some kind of like this versions, this movie's version of Marilyn Monroe. She introduces Hector and the Ho Daddies who are performing their opening. They're, they're performing their opening number to some terrible, terrible, terrible music revealing that it is not actually Hector and the Ho Daddies. I was shocked. I was shocked. Me too. <laughs> I, just, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> no, in fact, it is a bunch of villains. Um, you got the bearer of a billion bumper shoots, Penguin. You got the dominatrix of devilry, Catwoman. <laughs> and at those two, I start was laughing so much that I couldn't even pay attention to the other descriptions. But Joker and Riddler are there too. I just love how crazy the alliteration got with this and i was just like you, you gotta be practicing like to just say half of these things <laughs> um because you know what burt ward did a great job with his holy blank blank batman um so now as 
they're all watching this go down. Of course, the citizens of Gotham are all trying to prove that they can also sign up for the Robin Reserves is what I'm not going to call it. As they try to take down the villains and they are immediately tied up when Joker uses a ribbon gun of some sort. Um, And then Riddler takes a bomb. I have no idea where this bomb came from. And throws it into the crowd as everybody is now frantically trying to break out of their restraints. The dynamic duo decide is now time for them to head on over to the crime scene, which should be the logical step. But they see the bat signal and decide to go somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, as they're trying to make their way out, they have to avoid Aunt Harriet, who lives in Wayne Manor and suspects they have some kind of secret why she would live in this house um at least in this continuity is never explained Uh, i'm sure there's a reason (laughs) for it but we never get a reason why she's there she's just there always about to uh discover their secret and as after they change by sliding down a pole i mean if anime you can spin around and change your clothes why not a pole um we (laughs) get to the riddle the Riddler left behind, and it is a it is a doozy. The logic that Robin and Batman used to get the answer. Yes, uh, the riddle is that a poor man has this, a rich man doesn't want this, and if you eat this, you will die. And this riddle gets figured out um, by Batman, who immediately answers, "It's nothing," which prompts Commissioner Gordon because they all decide to stop by the uh, police precinct first. It prompts Commissioner Gordon, Robin, and now my new favorite officer within the GCPD, Officer O'Hara, to be like, that'll make no sense. And because of that, Batman then continues to explain that, no, the answer is to mean nothing. The answer is nothing. So now he asks and pushes Robin to figure out what does nothing mean as we go through uh, I'm assuming this is all like 60s lingo um, because they go through with nada, zilch, and then wrap it up with goose egg. Yeah, goose egg. And that somehow leads them to make this leap of that the the villains are going to break into an atomic energy <laughs> plant. I, I, like, don't even bother following that logic. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> Um, and they want to, they want to race there as fast as possible, but they do have to stop by one unstoppable force. And that is the crosswalk light, because even though they're vigilantes, they're not jaywalkers. So they have Mm -hmm. to wait until the light lets them go to jaywalk, which means in this continuity, if we living in that Batman continuity, everybody in New York will be in jail. Um, And this is the big. This is the Batman we were all worried about. <laughs> not the, not Christian Bale. None of them were ever going to beat us up for jaywalking. This man will. You're gonna get that pow in your face for trying to save a little minute. But the villains are about to get close in on getting a replica ray, and that leads to a fight scene that has the cheesy sound effects. Uh, and special effects, but it really is well animated. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. I one thing I did love about this movie is the fact that it does comparing the um the animation style of all the characters there, they do very well match up with their live action counterparts down to even Batman's eyebrows on his um on his mask or or the contours of his eyes on his mask. Like it's it's pretty accurate. Um and then we see kind of everyone really getting the full extent of all the fight scenes, all the blows. Um, my favorite one is the guy who does get beat down, who I believe he is wearing a shirt that says Goon on it. Um, it was an abbreviate abbreviation, apparently. So I would like to know what Goon stands for in this universe. But I do love the fact that um, being able to see the three villains that we have currently, we had um, Joker, Riddler, and Penguin fighting against the dynamic duo as Catwoman decides that she's not going to join this fight. She's instead going to hang by the corner and she's going to try to see if maybe, just maybe, if she moves around in certain ways, she attracts Batman's attention. And attract him, she does. Because he wants mm-hmm. to handle her personally. Damn, Matt, you thirsty. Um, but <laughs> try as she might, her seductive ways are not enough to convince Batman to turn. So that leads into an exciting chase between the Batmobile and the Joker Jeep that he has in every continent. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> the, yeah, the Joker Jeep. But um, try as he might, with all the tricks in the world, the Joker Jeep has more gags and it gets away and uh that leads to one of my favorite exclamations holy trench warfare we were foiled robin (laughs) oh just whipping that out in conversation and now that uh now we get to see the villains plans for this um multiplication raid that they stole which includes multiplying women penguin really really that's what we're gonna do with it (laughs) Listen, we were PG, so we didn't, we can't go too we can't dive too too deep into what he really wanted to do. Uh, so uh, another fun thing about that whole chase scene is that is how the dynamic duo figure out what the next step of the plan is. So before they, as they are unable to stop the villains, a piece of foil drops from the sky. And this is when Batman realizes that it's a pun to be saying that, ha, heroes, your plan was foiled. I will admit, I cackled at this. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) But it was just enough for Batman to take back to the Batcave and they use it to analyze the materials that might be connected to the foil, bring them over to the frozen food factory where we revealed the plan as well as the villain's idea of what they're going to do to hopefully swing Batman over to the side of evil. And it's all thanks to Catwoman who thinks about another crazy plot device for this film. Yes. Catwoman has a special catnip that she can use to hopefully seduce the Cape Crusader. Um, And while the, the, the dude villains are a little skeptical. They're like, yeah, well, might as well give it a shot. So they meet in battle once more. Um, and it looks for a second like the potion is working. But 
Batman is able to use his strong mental fortitude to snap out of her spell. Unfortunately, that doesn't stop him and Robin from being trapped on a dinner tray conveyor belt headed towards an oven. Like it's an episode of Power Rangers Turbo. You know that one where they were baked into the pizza. (laughs) Everybody knows it. And as they're trapped in this giant TV dinner, the most ridiculous out in any (laughs) escape ever presents itself. If this isn't a sign to look into the ingredients of your food, I don't know what is. Batman realizes that he must save room for dessert. That is what he says. And he looks over and sees there's a lemon tart next to him. He deduces that because of the size of the lemon tart that they're they're attached to, uh, the acidity of the lemons should be enough to fray the ropes that have tied their hands together. And it works. (laughs) I have never been so afraid to eat a TV dinner in the future in my entire life. Yeah, that entire company needs to be shut down. That's worse than that pink sauce, man. Like, you can't trust this. (laughs) That's the next question. Would you rather eat the pink sauce or would you rather eat that lemon tart? (laughs) Listen, it sounds like you have a minute before that burns your esophagus, so I'll I'll give it a shot. (laughs) (laughs) So after they escape, they, they stop by O'Hara and Jim Gordon, who are watching a rocket launch in another country and leaving some vaguely xenophobic comments, which, like, of course, bad. But I will admit it is it was surprising that they acknowledged the era these the original 1960 Batman would have been in by mm-hmm. having them just be like, look at those that other country foiling us in space or whatever. And um, Batman, I don't know why I found this so funny, but Batman comes in and is like, y'all watching TV on the job? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Until they feel bad for watching TV while Gotham is in trouble. And um, after he is thoroughly scolded, he goes back to the mansion where Aunt Harriet comes very close to discovering their secret. Mm-hmm. She ends up in Bruce's study, even though she's saying that, like, oh, she knows she's not supposed to be there. She ends up entering and she's touching around the main things that lead into the Batcave. The red telephone that Batman has within the within this universe, as well as the statue of William Shakespeare, I believe it was, mm-hmm. or it could have been somebody else. Um, so Batman or Bruce at this point comes in, he stops her from touching the statue that lifts up to re- to press the button to reveal the entrance to the poles to the Batcave and reminds her that she's not supposed to be in here, but is very aggressive with it to the point where even um, Dick is feeling pretty uncomfortable about it. And as he is, as he has shooed away on Harriet, he calls in Alfred and Bruce starts talking to Alfred, but like asking him, why was she in here? She very much soon found out our greatest secret. So because of that, we can't afford to keep having this happen. And it's clearly your fault this happens. And he, on the spot, fires Alfred. Yeah, Alfred is forced to give in his feather duster. It's over. Like that feather Mm. duster is finished. And I I presume that the Alfred movie that it... um, 
we've always wanted would start this way with him handing in his feather duster and then going back Batman Begins style. But in any case, <laughs> um, Alfred is now gone, which again alarms Robin. But they get back to the investigation and um, another great line where Robin has to read a dead language and Batman goes, no language is dead if it's in your heart. <laughs> what? <laughs> but they they hit a dead end. They look all over planet Earth, presumably, and they cannot find any of the villains. And then they put together that, you know, that rocket launch we were talking about earlier? Maybe the villains are on there. And indeed, somehow, these villains found a way to sneak onto a rocket? <laughs> Listen, Andrew, Occam's Razor is what the, what was it, the laws of parsimony? Or whatever it was that they said in Latin, it it it, it makes sense in this universe. We don't question it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they the villains end up on this rocket. We see that Joker has knocked out the um, the astronauts as the four of them enter the space station that was built by the U.S. government and the government. Apparently, they're now competing against for the space war of uh, the Belgravians and. Here now is where, um, well, basically stuff hits the fan because as Catwoman is listening into their conversations, she's realizing that Penguin keeps referring to them splitting the score three ways. And she's like, hold on now. I'm here too. I did just as much work, if not more. So I deserve a cut. And this is when they decide to turn on her to the point where they're getting ready to throw her out into the airlock. However, we do have our dynamic duo who are still on the case as we introduce a new item into the Batman list of embezzlement. Yeah, he, this man made a rocket. This man made a whole mm-hmm. ass rocket that could launch into space at any time, which <laughs> brings up too many questions about how it would have been built. Would it not give away his location right away as to where Batman was geographically? How, you know, rockets take so much time to prep. How, too many questions to answer. So they're in space now <laughs> and <laughs> they're climbing up a, um, they're climbing up the side of the space station essentially. And you get a number of great lines. One, Robin's like, oh man, it would be so easy to climb up buildings if this way, if there were no gravity. And Batman's like, bro, your muscles would atrophy. You'd become nothing. Um, (laughs) And then also they were talking about the space station and working together. And Batman goes, diplomacy is always ruined by myopic pride. And I'm like, where is this coming from? These really heavy, (laughs) poignant messages. But just as they're about to discuss uh, more moral issues, they notice Catwoman is in trouble and save her just in time to meet up the villain, meet up with the villains and hear what might be a more insane plan than the plan from Gods and Monsters where everybody was microchipped on planet Earth. Yes, the villains that consist now of Joker, Riddler and Penguin have decided to use the replica ray to replicate Earth. They figured that if they're not going to 
be able to divvy up Earth equally amongst themselves, or at least Gotham amongst themselves, the best thing to do is to give each person a Gotham. And I, there's a lot of stuff that we could bring up about, you know, the how these Earths will occupy the same space and time and all these other things that, to quote Batman from Justice League Doom, um, we we would need more than a week to talk about all the issues about that. So this is why Batman teaming up with Robin and now Catwoman decide that it's time to take down these villain. I was trying to do a 1960s Batman reference, but these villainous villains um, to, to then, and this leads into a complete beatdown of the villains who as a way to turn the ties, fortunately for themselves, turns on the the anti gravity or um, button, so causing them to float around the space station. Yeah, and this is where if you hadn't clued into something being off with Batman, now this scene would make it abundantly clear. He pulls out some knuckle dusters at one point, says, "You want to get nuts?" <laughs> like, I, I guess quoting the Jack Nicholson Joker um, with yep. that phrase. And he's basically, now it feels like he's the Dark Knight era, or more accurately, Affleck era Batman in the 1960s universe. And he is just messing these guys up in brutal ways and is easily able to overpower them with minimal help from Robin and Catwoman. Um, So now it's really clear he has become more aggressive. And... We're hoping after we briefly see Alfred out on the streets digging through trash. Um, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> he can't, he doesn't even have a feather duster to clean up all the trash. <laughs> um, but he, after we see Alfred on the streets, we see what Batman is doing now that his main foes are dealt with. Yep. So they return back to Commissioner Gordon and O'Hara at the police station. And they're just having a conversation where Batman's receiving praise from the two of them. And as they quickly turn away because they notice something on the television, uh, this is when they turn back around and notice that Batman has disappeared. You know, and, you know, for Batman fans, this seems like a typical thing. But then they state in the movie that, you know, Batman's never done that. He, in fact, even leaves Robin behind. Um, he, Batman, we also realized, also takes the replica ray. And now Robin has to figure out how to get back home. So he does the one thing that all people must do whenever they don't have a ride and somehow hitchhike. Yeah, which would also give away the location of the Batcave. But... Um, right. <laughs> so... We see over the next few years, few years, could have been a few years. We see over a period of time that Batman is letting crime spread. He's letting kids, kids are skipping school. <laughs> Truancy is up 100%. Uh, the commissioner and O'Hara, sweet, sweet O'Hara, are forced to resign. And Batman is pretty much taking over everything with the power of this replica ray. With the power of this replica ray, he can basically be everywhere at once um so he has pretty much gotten gotham underneath his boot and that's when robin a desperate robin goes to catwoman for help and they have this conversation while she traps him in a bird cage 
<laughs> I think this was my favorite visual gag of this film because he literally falls into the birdcage and it's just like... <laughs> Um, also, Catwoman has a club, uh, the kid, Kitty Cat Club, I think it was called. And I, I just thought it was just impressive, like the fact that they were all trying to fight over taking control of Gotham, even though they legit have their own places that they could just manipulate the the underworld from. So now Robin and Catwoman have teamed up. Um, they head on over to the Catmobile. Yes, that is a thing in this movie. It is a two-door coupe with a cat tail. And they, of course, though, Catwoman, um, make sure that Robin doesn't try anything because they are heading back over to the Batcave. Robin says that he needs to knock her out with some of the bat knockout gas. And as he does so, she reminds him to keep his hands to himself. That's the most important thing. Um, as she knocks out and they drive on over to the Batcave to figure out how they can take down Batman. Unfortunately, Batman has already anticipated this move because Batman shows up in the cave and um, immediately makes it clear to Robin he knew this was going to happen. Catwoman decides maybe now it's time to switch sides to the guy who has the advantage. And Batman, once Catwoman has switched sides, says... Basically, let's kill Robin, which is extremely jarring to hear in this movie. And luckily, Catwoman reveals her deception was a ruse to hit Batman with the antidote. Unfortunately, Batman has the anti-antidote <laughs> ready to go. So the potion that has been turning him evil this whole time is still kicking. And now there's only one thing for two gentlemen to do. And that's a utility belt battle. Yes, yes. And man, I got to say this Batnip, which is actually what it's called in the film, is a pretty powerful force because Batman does not hold back in this uh, utility battle duel. As we see first, we see that um, he pulls out the Bat knockout gas, which Robin counters with the Bat wake up gas. Um, Batman then... Well, sorry, Robin then pulls out the bat cuffs, which Batman uses the bat lock picks on. And then Batman decides to throw out the bat, I believe it was the bat gun or it was a bat knife. And Robin is able to, oh, sorry, no, it was the bat bomb, which Robin is then able to deflect with the bat shield. And I kid you not, this is the way that the battle goes. Yes, this battle is absolutely insane. But try as he might, Batman gets the better of Robin. He ties him up to a nuclear hole he had nearby. Um, And the fact this is in the Batcave is just like, I feel like this is a red flag. (laughs) Yeah, the amount of radiation they must be exposed to on a daily basis is is insane. Mm -hmm. Being that close to an open nuclear, like, what? And, uh, (laughs) Another hilarious line where Robin is trying to figure out how to, like, maybe they can swing the rope up. But Batman has cleverly raised the bar three inches. <laughs> <laughs> and this three inch difference will prevent him from swinging up there, which, uh, my God, the writing on this is incredible. Um, so it looks like they're going to die as they're lowered into the spread into the nuclear um, reactor. But... 
The one thing Batman didn't count on was that Robin had sprayed himself and Catwoman with anti-isotope spray, which somehow made them immune <laughs> from the nuclear blast. I, yes, that's how it is. It, it's just how it is. I, there's no reason to dwell on it. The next scene has the other prisoners doing hard labor. <laughs> yep. Uh, so <laughs> Robin and Catwoman continue on in their, their team up as they disguise themselves as prison inspectors who head on over to Gotham State Penitentiary. Apparently there is no Arkham in this continuity. Um, he And they're claiming to be there because they have noticed that everything is just terribly assembled there. Like the pickaxes that the prisoners are using are not up to code. The ball and chains that they're using are also not up to code. So they go around and start giving each of these prisoners a new pickaxe and then a new um, ball and chain. We also pass by our villains from the beginning of the film, Riddler, Joker, and Penguin, who are also engaging in hard labor. However, they do not get any of these updated um, items as they are just passed on by. And as Catwoman and Robin leave, this is when everything that they were that the prisoners were given changes into something else. The ball and chain starts to inflate as the prisoners float off outside of the jail. And then the pickaxes turn into mini helicopters that also take the prisoners out of the jail. So now the prisoners are just like trying, the prison guards are really trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to shoot down the prisoners. Um, they are fortunate that Joker and Penguin didn't escape, but then we, they turn around and we all see that they somehow turn into a pile of orange dust. Yes, and that we, we will address that soon. But first, all the villains that were freed um, can, uh, decide to combat against Batman's, the Batman, I should say, um, mm-hmm. on the SNL show, because now there are numerous Batman clones. And, you know, I just didn't even know that they were going to go and bring Batman's greatest foe onto the show, Mr. Egg. Um, I didn't, I didn't think they would be so bold, <laughs> but the Eggman himself uh, tries to take on Batman and settle their rivalry. He loses instantly, but you know, the shadow clone <laughs> Jutsu is strong. <laughs> and we see some of the other villains get quickly taken down, including the original Mr. Freeze, who um, Batman reveals that despite Mr. Freeze having the full capacity of his freeze ray, Batman had uh, cape can turn into a heat shield, which melts the ice that's forming around him. Um, another one of my favorite scenes that happens on our Gotham SNL is the fact that um, in order to engage in the fight scene, the camera t- turns to the side <laughs> to give it as a crooked sense of uh viewpoint for us to see and this leads into basically the batman win robin gets punched in the face a couple times um catwoman although she does hold her own she also gets taken down and they're brought over by the batman to the original batman who was actually over on the side dancing to his um the typical batusi i believe it is called Mm -hmm. um with the the band for today and he's now gloating he is ready to finally take down the two heroes who have been plaguing him this entire film however before he does so 
there is one person that comes up to him to offer him a bottle of champagne so that he can celebrate his victory. Yep, and upon drinking it, he is immediately turned back to normal because, of course, the person with champagne was Alfred in disguise, sipping him the anti-anti-antidote because (laughs) Alfred knew if he was ever fired by Bruce Wayne that it was probably because of some mind-controlled trick. So he was on the streets preparing this the entire time. But that's not the crazy part, people. That, that's going to be sane in comparison to when you realize the reveal that all of this was set up by the villains because the orange dust that we saw in the prison, those were clones of the three big bads. The three big bads we've been following all throughout the movie of Penguin, Riddler, and Joker were actually their shadow clone jutsu selves that just faded now. And they planned everything from the batnip, the betrayal. They did all of this. Why? Why did they do all of this? So they could steal from three museums. Oh, my You God. guys could have uh. skipped so many steps. <laughs> Yeah, I had a very similar feeling about this because I was just like, by the time we got to this, I had completely forgotten they were even in this film. Um, So now our three villains, they're stealing stuff. Um, We see that Riddler has stolen the first puzzle. Uh, Penguin has stolen the Fabergé egg. Joker has stolen a painting of... um, fun DC fact is the uh, painting of a clown that has the same kind of mask and setup that Joker was first wearing when he was um, introduced into the Batman live action series here in the sixties, as well as a mock-up of what Heath Ledger wore in the dark Knight um, in the dark Knight film. So upon celebrating their victory, this is when Batman rises from the shadows alongside um, Catwoman and Robin, but uh, unfortunately for them, Penguin was able to get a ride, and that ride was the Penguin Blimp. Yeah, but it's a long to get to the Penguin Blimp. He also jumps on a Penguin Rocket Umbrella, which almost oh, broke yeah. me. <laughs> that almost broke me. The giant Rocket Umbrella. But they they get to a they get to the Blimp finally, and it go, breaks out into another massive fight where the villains all get pretty fitting ends, such as Joker falling into a circus and being shot out of the cannon, and um, Penguin falling in just a pile of fish, which would have 100% killed him upon impact, Mm -hmm. because fish have bones, so imagine landing on those. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Also, just density. (laughs) Yeah, that too. The, The height of the fall... The, fi- the pile of fish that was barely disturbed by him falling in it, you would have died. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Catwoman at some point in the battle also saves Robin, you know, proving her innate goodness. And I do like they throw in a little shot where the Catwoman suggests, why don't we run away to Europe and sip drinks at a cafe? And so, and Robin goes, holy unsatisfying ending. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all really taking shots of the Dark Knight Rises. All right, all right. Um, as Catwoman, you know, she lives to crime another day. And um, we come we come towards, now that all the villains are defeated, there's really only one thing left to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is to head back and 
protect their secret identities from Aunt Harriet, who they revealed to her they threw a surprise birthday party for her. They invited a group of people to come on over, and she hints at a couple times of feeling like she kind of knew that maybe they were Batman and Robin, but now this kind this whole party just distracts from that. And now Bruce and Dick, they're partying along. Unfortunately, once again, they are called by Commissioner Gordon as they see the bat signal in the sky because, and the excuse they give is that they need to go, was this night fishing or was <laughs> it was something else? But anyway, they give a good enough excuse that they're able to leave the party and run off into the night to continue their journeys as deputized um, officers of crime fighting. And that's our film. That is Batman Returns of the Cape Crusaders. Just like The Dark Knight Returns. Same tone, same everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we end it with, <laughs> with a credit sequence of Batman and Catwoman dancing separately. Batman doing the Batutsi, Catwoman, um, you know, showing that this is a PG film, I guess, because I don't understand why we, we just... Just basically, we're just seeing Catwoman twerking the entire time. The animators were tired. They needed something. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of uh, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. Before we um, determine whether or not this 2016 film is sweet or sour, um, let's hop on over to down the Batcave Bat Pole to find out another. Forgotten Entertainment Family um, podcast. You should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello there. General McMillan. I was expecting a podcaster of your abilities to be a little older. Anders, you're shorter than I expected. No need to be so uncivilized. I'm Anders. That's Colleen. Join us along with our co-hosts, Daniel and Flo, for yet another Star Wars podcast, because the internet can never have enough nerds talking about Star Wars. This season, we're headed, hopefully briefly, back again to the edges of Tatooine's Dune Sea to explore the new series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll search our feelings for what we know is true, that changing your first name from Obi-Wan to Ben is the most effective cover story in the history of the galaxy yet another star wars podcast is available wherever you get you podcasts and is proudly part of the forgotten entertainment family all right batman return of the cape crusaders in 2016 a film adapted from the 1960s television series does this film is it as sweet as batnip or that lemon tart that batman burned the ropes off of or has it soured like a rotten egg and fish that Penguin fell into? Well, you know, Penguin hit those bones hard. And uh, that reminds me that this movie didn't because it is a, it is a sweet outing. Um, <laughs> the, the movie, it, it never for one second doubts what it is. It is a fully, fully embracing the camp of the original 1960s series. Um, leaning in with the leaps of logic, um, the the good nature of it all. Um, and I, it was just a very smart move to slowly put a modern Batman in that world by having him turn evil. It gave us a nice little contrast and gave us a, a nice little history lesson of 
how far Batman has come as a character. So it was a nice little meta um, context thing about how how dark Batman has really gotten since he first started. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the humor is is like perfect. If, even if you aren't into all the Batman in jokes, which um, there are many. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's stuff like the TV tray dinner. Like, how can you not love that? The acid from the lemon tart melting the ropes. <laughs> The three-inch OSHA bars preventing them from escaping. Uh, it's absolutely bonkers. The disclaimer I will give is I think you will know within the first two minutes if this movie is for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it You'll get the style. You'll get what they're doing. But um, while I think it is sweet, if you are not into this style, this is going to be a sour experience for you. You're going to be mad the entire time. You shouldn't be, but you will be as a fair warning. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I can't, I couldn't say it better myself. Honestly, this is uh, a sweet movie. Uh, I just thought that, you know, everything about it was like, and also to be honest, I have never actually seen any of the 1960s Batman shows. Never seen whoa, a single whoa. episode. You haven't marathoned all of them? You didn't marathon nope. all of them right before this? <laughs> no, I wasn't. You know how hard it was to find them? <laughs> I found them the day before. I couldn't do it. I saw that there was like 120 episodes, each one under a half hour long. I was like, I could spend the next 60 hours, but I only got 24. <laughs> and that's also with ads that was included. Um, so... Fun fact for everybody, I might actually be starting this now because now that I have found them, they are currently available on freebie, hashtag not sponsored, um, with ads. So you get a chance to see and enjoy the entire Batman William Dozier series where we get Adam West, Burt Ward, Julie Newmar turning into Eartha Kitt. Um, we're not going to talk about that part. Uh, <laughs> Cesar Romero as the Joker. Just it's just like it's the fact that it's now available and it's out there. It's just pretty cool. Um, it is this film though is definitely sweet because uh, when I first started watching it, also I never really had any experience with Batman in this way. I was just like, okay, this is getting super campy. But as it got campier and noticing the little small details of recognizing like the time era that they're trying to put forward, it it makes it it gets sweeter over time. The only thing that I felt like did sour it a bit was that maybe there are some plot points that was just like the jump to realizing that Joker, Penguin, and Riddler were using this all as a way to, as a distraction. I felt that was too much of belief. I do not believe that Joker, Penguin, and Riddler could have come up with the idea that Batman would have used this replica ray in conjunction with Catwoman hitting him with the Batnip. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think the simple part of that plan that doesn't really work is that with more Batman around, wouldn't it make it harder, in theory, to commit crime? Right. Like, even if they thought you were imprisoned, like, I'm pretty sure if they saw you, another Joker, they wouldn't question it. They'd just be like, let's beat the stuffing out of that guy. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't mind... I honestly didn't mind it being a parody of like these very over elaborate villain plans, but yeah, mm-hmm. there were, there were pretty big holes in their plans that would have prevented them from succeeding. So yeah, I, I, I think 
um, it would have been more fun to have like maybe the multiplication ray was multiplied or something like that. Yeah, they fight like a legion of each of the villains. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it did seem it does fall apart. Even the ridiculous standards of the movie, it does fall apart when you look at it too long. <laughs> no, but honestly, I would have loved actually. It's uh, that's now a uh, comic shams correction. I'm gonna steal oh. that real quick. <laughs> um, I would have loved to see um, multiple versions of the villains being in the end battle fighting against um, Batman, Robin, and Catwoman. I think that would have been a fun little fight especially for an animation purpose like maybe they were too, the molecules were too unstable that every single time that there was the signs of the automatopoeia of the punch and everything it actually they were punched and we saw the automatopoeia phrasing come up they're like a poof will be joker the ah. fake joker disintegrating or something like i think i don't that could be too far but then again this movie went afar in a lot of places um so I mean, yeah, other than that, this is a sweet film. Um, I think a lot of people who are tired of the dark nature of the Dark Knight might truly appreciate this. Um, It is, though, given the fact that it is written by a lot of the Teen Titans Go, by one of the Teen Titans Go creators, uh, it might get a little crazy, might get a little campy. But I think the Easter eggs and the the commentary, the, the line about even with Batman um, saying that he's not going to turn him into Gotham State Penitentiary, he's going to shoot him out in the airlock and how one person is now the the table and how Batman's the surgeon. All those little callbacks are just perfect for Batman fans who are, who, again, like you were saying, see how Batman has progressed from this, uh, this version of his, like this campy kind of comical, style to the darker night to you know a combination of both throughout time yeah it's a great evolution of the character and you know just the phrases the catchphrases i mean again holy trench warfare is just fair <laughs> i get that printed on a banner and just wear that all the time or the next time someone's telling me something like holy unsatisfying ending oh yeah <laughs> Probably be that. Probably say that for the end of the Arrowverse. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Hector and the Ho Daddies with the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, comics wise, I don't really have anything because again, um, this, this is an adaptation of a live action TV series. It does end up actually getting turned into a comic um, pretty recently. I believe um, there. I believe it was in the. Um, either in the late 29, 2010s or the or or now, uh, I don't know why I said the late twenty tens. <laughs> it's like three years ago. Um, we do have Batman sixty six, which is a running comic book series, which has introduced a lot of the other um, villains that they were unable to introduce during the actual TV show's run, um, including uh, Two Face, who does actually end up getting a the movie. There is a sequel to this movie. Um, it is Adam West's last Batman role, along with um, Julie Newmar, I believe, as well, who is voicing Catwoman in that film, too. Um, just a thing for everybody to know, Burt Ward is the, is the last member of, the, of this film series to still, of the series to still be around. 
Um, and he's been doing, and he's been, he's been, you know, you've seen him in the Arrowverse. He's also had some um, converse and some dialogue as well in a lot of the cartoons that we've seen recently. So, you know, just having this connection to the nostalgia come forward in time. Um, you know, this is, a, these are movies that are coming out now 50 years after these stories were originally put together. So it is pretty cool to see this longstanding connection between uh, the beginnings of Batman to now. And um, the only thing I have really is just, uh, Andrew, if you could uh, take a show from the past, live action, and give it an animated film adaptation, what would it be? Hmm. I mean, Scooby-Doo already exists. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be good though uh we already did karate kid um i you know i think weirdly i mean technically this show already kind of exists but i would like to see it still um an animated charlie's angels um i are you talking I mean, about totally spot <laughs> Look, look, here's the thing, all right? Totally spies, they don't work for Charlie and they're French, okay? Okay, right, yeah, it's true, that's true. No, I think Charlie's Angels, um, it always goes back between being like this very serious, grounded thing and this very campy spy thing. I would like to see Mm -hmm. them go balls to the wall and just like acknowledge Mm. the campiness of Charlie and um, how ridiculous it is that it's just a voice and <laughs> go on these like wild missions and, and get, get things done with these iconic, with the iconic trio. I think that would do better than any live action Charlie Re- Charlie's Angels reboot has done in recent <laughs> years. Um, so yeah, let's, let's see it. Let's see it on the screen. What do you think? Uh, well, besides one that would there thinking about doing they are thinking their ideas of doing something for for the one woman tv series mm. um the one i would like to actually see is bionic woman um oh you know i think i think that's just i like catch it randomly sometimes um is it like passes by sometimes on like on tv or just like snippets of it on social media for some reason i guess my algorithm is telling me that this is this is now what i'm going to be interested in um, but I'd love to see a similar a similar scope to what this movie did for Batman, where it introduces again um, the Bionic Woman to a fandom years later, and kind of points out these little moments, these little um, campy moments, how it connects to what we see now in superhero them, um, especially if as a female superhero that we've been seeing a lot more, you know, like really address those things in this live in this animated production of a film yeah yeah and i think that she's such a underrated character and Mm -hmm. largely forgotten so in the Mm -hmm. modern time so it it would be nice to see a little bit more of her Mm -hmm. yes and also want the sound effect we have to keep the sound effect all the sound effects must be kept intact all right well that wraps up batman return of the cape crusaders a film from the uh animated wow it is so many things now, Aurel. <laughs> uh, live action series from the 60s that has been brought to our present time as an animated film. Um, shout out and pour one out to Adam West.
Billy Newmar, um, Eartha Kitt, all these people who made appearances here. And thanks to all the people who were able to bring forward this film. Uh, you can catch us next time on our next episode as we discuss another installment in our Sweet or Sour series as, well, in another kind of campy-ish uh, scope of things, we're going to be talking about Batman and Harley Quinn. And we're not talking about the Harley Quinn you've seen on the popular HBO Max series. No, we're going decidedly different with this one. And uh, mm-hmm. you might be surprised at what she ends up doing. What should I say? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna finish that because this is the PG. Yeah, no, no, we're <laughs> still PG. We're still PG. <laughs> You'll see what we're talking about next time around. <laughs> All right. So remember to take care of yourselves, and also remember this: it is recommended that you dance the Batsui at least five minutes every day to prevent heart disease. Um, that that's just something I heard. Yes. And if you get a multiplication jutsu ray, just do the simple thing. Multiply your money, go to a casino, and just spend it all. They're not going to notice. They're cheating you anyway. Go ahead. Go have fun. Don't get your legs broken. (laughs) 